welcome to Show Me Your Mic. I'm your host, Chris Enns. You can find Show Me Your Mic on goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. I'm your host. Did I say that already? I'm, I'm your host, Chris Enns. I've got uh, Moises Chuyon of the Electric Shadow Network, esn.fm for short, on this show. Talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it goes a little longer than usual, so hopefully you can uh, stick around for the end. There's also an auxiliary. We went even longer than the show. Goodstuff.fm slash auxiliary has uh, extra stuff from our discussion that didn't make the regular cuts. So you can tune in there. Go listen there if you like. My thanks to Campaign Monitor for sponsoring this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them a little later on. Now here's my conversation with Moises. <music> So when I say I had to like shovel for an hour just to get my van out of the garage, <laughs> we we, uh, we we can agree that we're on different planes, different uh, different uh, sets at Star in Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> yeah, last last thing I had to shovel was was dirt planting stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't remember actually having to really shovel anything, right? <laughs> especially snow. Right. It's a it's a unique. It's a it's fun the first time probably. <laughs> After many many years of doing it, it's lost its luster. I should uh, I should invest in a snowblower, but this is not show me your snowblower. This is show me your mic. It's uh, a different podcast for another network, probably. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a niche for that somewhere. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, you join me from your Electric Shadow Network Studios um, down there in Austin. <laughs> yes, my 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 massive warehouse <laughs> setup. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm off in the, uh, the Northeast wing right. <laughs> uh, of, of the compound. Well, I've, I've started a new tradition or a new thing here on Show Me Your Mic of getting, asking the guests to send me a photo of their, uh, studio, uh, complex or layer, whatever term you decide to use. Um, so, uh, if, if you will send me that, then all will be revealed, uh, unless you Photoshop it heavily, I guess, then we'll never know. <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 unfortunately still in in too big of a uh, state of disrepair. I, you know, we can talk about that a little yeah. bit, I guess. Uh, but having having to move suddenly this year, uh, I I love the new uh, in home studio space itself that I've got now. But uh, everything is not exactly as I would have it, uh, and not not quite close to that uh, just yet. It's kind of you know thrown together things stacked all over the place. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I effectively, I've got, a the, uh, the, the back bedroom in someone's house, which depending on who you talk to is, uh, is not the way that you do podcasting as a professional and, uh, and do it for a living for real. Uh, you know, you certainly don't do that coming on somebody's show, uh, sounding like a, like an elephant with hay fever, uh, <laughs> from, uh, from a Looney Tunes cartoon. Um, but uh but it, it actually works really great it's it's a it was it was a house uh constructed earlier this year the insulation's really good um i uh i had a uh a a better insulated door put on the room uh specifically you know for the purpose of of trying to kill uh sound reverberation I sound I sound absolutely awful. I think you're you're so folks who listen to this show uh, next episode. I think I'll be sniffling because my daughter, my two year <laughs> daughter, has just woke up with a cold this morning. That's always like the early warning sign. In about a week, three to five days, somewhere in there, I'll be 
sniffling and sneezing as well. So next episode, you can look forward to me blowing my nose on the air. <laughs> but we, uh, we'll, we'll we, we, got, we got the Christmas tree in a few days ago, and so I got a, I got a face full of Christmas tree. Oh. My, my sinuses <laughs> are still processing all of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I guess you would say a back bedroom. It's actually the front bedroom in the house. Um, and, uh, and thanks to the, uh, the radically better insulation that you get out of a new house than a house that's been around for, for some time, uh, and, uh, some other little modifications that we did that didn't really cost much at all. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm recording all of my shows on my, my blue Yeti pro from, uh, from a, a bedroom in my house. And it, it, uh, it, it sounds about as good as I, I think I could hope for. Yeah, well, you sound great. And that's, uh, as we record over the last number of days, maybe a week or so, uh, once again, the sort of podcasting dilemmas and debates have swirled up again as we debate whether we're allowed to be podcasting or not and all those funny questions that us nerds spend probably way too much time on. But then here I go doing a podcast about podcasting, so I can't really point fingers too far. <laughs> but um, the... Uh, Take, take me back a little bit further to getting into podcasting initially. What, uh, what drew you into this medium as a, a thing to do, a thing to set up a studio for? Well, I had, uh, I had done some radio in, uh, in high school, college, and uh, it, was, it was something that, uh, that I'd, I'd always had an affection for, uh, a mixture of, I guess you would say, uh, traditional uh, talk radio or uh, – you know, non, non, uh, drama radio. And at the same time, uh, I was, I was a big fan of radio theater and it was the sort of thing that with, with podcasting really, uh, first booming around 2004, 2005, uh, even though NPR in the States would have you think that they completely reinvented it here 10 years later. And, uh, they're the sole reason anybody's interested in it. Uh, I, I thought, uh, well, at some point or another, I want to get into doing that sort of stuff. And over the years, would uh, would put a lot of thought into the kinds of shows that I would want to do that I'd I'd feel uh, suited for that twelve people weren't already doing. I found myself gravitating to radio shows that were off the beaten path. Were not necessarily the same as what uh, as what we consider uh, rush hour morning radio, uh, talk radio, uh, here in the States, uh, as, as much as I would enjoy listening to DJs like Kid Craddock and, uh, and, uh, oh, why can't I think of the guy's name? Uh, another big DJ in the, in the Dallas area that would do a morning show. Um, you know, when it, when it came down to it, I thought there was something, something that, that took from the model of some of the public radio shows that I liked the most, whether it was This American Life or, uh, you know, more recently Planet Money or uh, just just in general the kind of pseudo-documentary storytelling that was out there. Uh, and mixing that with my interests was was something that I always – you know, every once in a while would kind of keep at the back of my head, uh, as, as one of the various creative projects that, that I was into, you know, I, I would produce theater. I was, uh, you know, actively trying to do, uh, radio theater productions at the same time, uh, of, of things that, that maybe would not work as a fully produced 
regular theatrical production. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it was something that, that was very much, you know, a, well, maybe someday I'll do some version of something like that. Uh, but it didn't really start to come into focus until I, uh, I got into the wave of tech podcasts that have, that have cropped up over the last five years or so. Um, kind of totally coincidentally while I was doing a uh, totally other kind of work. Yeah. The, that sort of drew you into this medium as a, as a way of, um, of, well, understanding that this medium exists in a, in a, I guess, both monetary way as well as just a, like a supporting, self-supporting kind of medium, but also as something that people can do as a hobby, et cetera, and, and talk and people would listen and download and the technology sort of arrived. It seems to be a bit of a perfect storm, right? All the, the bits and pieces arriving in the right order, um, the iPod, et cetera, and iTunes listening podcasts and microphone and hobbyist kind of gear coming down in price and you know all this yeah. kind of stuff happening all in a because I, I have a very similar background of not necessarily i wasn't in, into radio officially or any sort of drama background but just loved the idea of being able to record your voice into a thing play it back play it back for someone else i'm pestering my you know parents or, or siblings with me pretending to be a radio dj on my little tape recorder kind of thing and stuff and um yeah and there's just something about that this medium that is is fun and interesting and and uh, great to be a part of. So, yeah, um, as as much as the the indie revolution when it comes to digital production for for movies has really really changed that industry, where you'd be amazed how great looking of a product you can put together for very little money. It got to that point with with podcasting with radio, but I'd never been an audio guy, so I didn't. You know, I, I, I understood the content side of it radically better than I, than I understood the actual technical side of it. And the thing that, uh, that kind of crept into to bugging me a little bit was it was, it was like, you know, a bunch of tech guys could make their shows sound great and had large established audiences. And that's, that's awesome. That's wonderful for them and everything. But they were audibly not really content production performance types uh, where their their audience growth potential was not that big beyond a certain plateau. And uh, one of the things that that started to become really readily apparent to me was that that eventually it would get to where, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry was going to have a podcast, but it was a matter of getting out there and differentiating yourself not being either the tech guy who uh, thinks that they can effectively do the same format as six other people or six other uh, shows that are established and have huge audiences and uh, and so on. Uh, or you were going to be the person that, uh, that had some interesting, innovative kind of a format uh, or or take on things in general. It wasn't actively trying to do the same show somebody else is already doing um, that was more available and open to a, a, broader, a broader audience from the very start. Um, so I, you know, at, at a certain point, I would say probably around 2010 or 2011, I started very actively thinking about, you know, if if I can kind of get 
the technical side of it sort of solved, you know, thinking about this as, well, I'm, I'm outputting a 64 kbps mono file at the end of the day. It's not like I'm recording Beyonce's new album. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, I, I can, I'm probably, you know, smart slash dumb enough to, uh, to figure out that part of it eventually. And, uh, and that was, that was around the time that I, that I came into the, the orbit of five by five. Right. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's definitely when I remember hearing, you know, I can't remember which show or maybe some live stream or whatever, just hearing Dan talk about this Moises character that, uh, cause you were in Austin, you lived in Austin and he happened to move to Austin kind of right as the, if I remember correctly or understand a bit of the, the history or whatever there that, um, was he was five by five sort of the your introduction to that world of tech podcasting as a as a bigger thing than just you know I was I, I was aware of it but yeah. I I didn't I didn't really dig into it and uh, and become more familiar with the established players until I was introduced to five by five shows uh, I did uh, this two part interview on uh, Mike Beasterfield's Better Know a Jackal show um, where I, I I told him that. Uh, it really actually comes down to Merlin Mann. I was introduced to Five by Five because Merlin Mann had a show there that a friend of mine told me about. And then I went from there to other shows that people I'd never heard of. I didn't know that Twit existed beyond knowing that Leo Laporte had a thing that he did out there. Uh, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't follow Leo from thing to thing to thing uh, from uh, from his various uh projects and so on over the years. Uh, so there, there were a lot of names in technology that I was becoming reacquainted with by way of these podcasts and people who I was totally brand new to that, uh, that I came to, to know from these podcasts that they were doing. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was something of a crash course of what everybody was doing. And there were people that you know, I'd, I'd listen to John Syracuse or read the phone book, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it uh, it became very readily apparent that there was there was a gigantic amount of room out there for something that didn't have the budget overhead and track record of This American Life, and also didn't have the kind of uh, live to tape, totally non edited morning talk radio format of, well, let's see how long we talk for. And ideally it's around an hour, but sometimes who knows, maybe it ends up two hours and 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's the, the sort of thing that I don't think there's, there's something fundamentally wrong with that format, you know, to, to get things straight, you know, the, the, the people who, uh, when relay started up said, Oh, do we really need another network attack podcast that are doing this and that and the other, and I, I, I think that it works because those shows have the audiences that they do for a reason. They're enthusiastic about those voices talking about that stuff. Um, do I think that model works for everybody? I really don't think it does. I think I think the model for doing your shows should be formats and subject matter that's interesting to you that you've got something unique to contribute to. Um, you know, doing doing the same show as somebody else is not going to do anybody any favors. Um, so as, as much as I enjoyed a lot of the stuff that, uh, that surrounded me once I started doing shows on five by five, uh, 
at the same time, <clears throat> I was I was kind of itching to uh, honestly do more highly produced stuff, which is what I had wanted to do from the beginning. But I was told that it wasn't feasible, wasn't uh, profitable, wasn't doable. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I spent I spent a good chunk of time uh, between the two shows that I had there. Uh, kind of figuring things out and uh, and getting my feet wet and you know uh, making some mistakes, making some breakthroughs, and eventually actually took both shows back to the the core format that I was looking for. That was that was some hybrid of the panel discussion thing and the more intercut, highly produced sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your question or if, uh, or if I'm just swimming in my own head. <laughs> well, it's probably a little column A, a little column B. That's okay, though. Because um, I think that's that's definitely the, uh, like I alluded to earlier, the sort of swirling discussion that rises ever, up every so often anytime somebody makes a blog po- writes a blog post or has an opinion about how a podcast should or shouldn't be done and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, do, do you have a, a podcast equipment guide that you're going to get out there? Because I, <laughs> I feel I feel the, the urge to put together such a thing. Uh, I know. it's uh, the, Well, yeah, the lucrative uh, affiliate code market is, is something I haven't tapped into yet. I'll, I'll get on that. But <laughs> the uh, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those discussions that I... I I find myself drawn into, and then I, a little while later, it's kind of like a, you know an argument. That you're like ten minutes in or whatever. You're like, why why am I doing this? I don't. This is wasting cycles and energy on a on a discussion that I don't need to have right now. It's 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 fun if we're having a civilized debate and discussion about this mic or that mic as you know as audio nerds. That's fun, but when it becomes a like you can't do this and you have to do that. And Chris, let me, let me be honest with you. What you do is not really podcasting. Uh, and, uh, and what it comes down to is you're not using the right kind of XLR cable. Exactly. And, uh, you know, on, on the, on the quest to 64 KBPS mono, uh, frankly, you could, you could be recording in a way that Jay Z would actually approve of, but you don't. Exactly. So uh, I'm sorry to break it to you, but uh, the Council of Podcasters has decided to oust you. Yeah, for, for uh, those you're, who don't you're know, no longer allowed. Moises sent me uh, his rider for interviews, and uh, and one of the th- requests was uh, gold plated XLR cables on my end. He, it's not that he had to have them; it's just I had to be using it. And I didn't, and that's where we're struggling. If you hear any tension in the interview, that's that's what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's why ACDC is not pay, not playing the after party, right? Uh, because uh, frankly, you've uh, you've let me down. You've let me down in every way. Uh, that that that's the thing that uh, you know. I'm I'm sure that there are valid opinions all over the place, and I read a portion of a couple of these. But frankly, I I actually think I prefer Merlin's take of you know while while we're waiting for him to get his podcasting guide together everybody should use his amazon affiliate link and go buy a $7000 box of caviar <laughs> yes, uh, just you know because uh, because frankly that's that's what that's what people need right now yeah <laughs> is uh, is good outlet for uh, for where to throw their money uh you know the 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 best of intentions uh sometimes results in great stuff and sometimes results in people just coming off as elitists uh, who, you know, would have people in the early days of blogging feel like you had to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on custom fonts and radically more uh, hosting than you need and, you know, 17 paid templates and just 
mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff and, and artificially set the barriers way, way too high, way beyond reason. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah. No, I understand. And that's, uh, I'll give you, I'll talk, try and talk to help you, give you a chance to mute or whatever. But the, the, uh, that idea of, and everybody has their own goals and, and aims for their thing. Not everybody's trying to do a twit or a, Etc. Insert your favorite podcast network of choice. Some people just like having a discussion and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's those are all very valid reasons to not or to do a big production podcast. I think the what I I, I enjoy about what you're trying to do with ESN with Electric Shadow Network is um, it's just you know it sounds like to me the impression I get is personally you just want to push yourself, push the medium that you're in, and it's not a sense of pushing your other people down and trying to, you know, rise above that, but just to raise the quality of what you're doing. And, and I think we can all sort of aspire to aspects of that, whatever that may take in our own production value or, or editing procedures. You know, we all, a lot of us anyways, are, this isn't our full-time gig and we're sort of trying to make the best use of our time to do these things. We do the podcasts we record and, and, uh, and whether it means you spend a little bit extra on gear right now because you don't have time to edit as much and then later on you don't have the money so you spend more time editing or vice versa. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all kind of figuring this out as we go and striving to do better in ways that we can, hopefully, anyways. And, and for those that aren't, I think just keep doing your thing and you, you have, if you're having fun with it, that's, I don't know, it's hard to argue with that. Um, so, yeah, um, I, if, if there, if there is a barrier to entry, in, in my opinion, it's that you need to actually be enthusiastic about what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that it has to be something that you envision being your full-time job. It doesn't need to be something that's going to take over the world. It just needs to be something that you really care about for a reason other than, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to make a podcast and, and become the next you know, John Gruber in the same way that somebody with a new DSLR camera isn't going to, you know, run around their neighborhood saying they're, they're going to make the next Citizen King. Right. Uh, you know, make sure that the, the reason that you're doing it is that you've got a passion for whatever it is that you're doing and not to be afraid to let your individuality drive what it is you're doing in podcasting. Uh, you know, you mentioned this, this thing about networks and, you know, frankly, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed since since podcast networks are apparently dead and useless. Uh, you know, I, I was also informed earlier this year that you know there's there's no good reason to start a network. Why start a network? Um, and the reason that I wanted to was because part of part of my my business plan was I you know I, I had a network because I had three different shows that I was doing, and I, it it kind of makes sense to have something that strings those together. But I also wanted to be able to work with a limited number of of other people uh, whose sensibilities matched meshed well and uh, could uh, you know could give could give them something of a home in uh, in a form that wasn't trying to be five by five wasn't trying to be twit wasn't trying to do <clears throat> the traditional if there is a traditional version of a podcast network. And at once kind of look at, at a different way to interpret what a network does and what it can bring and that it doesn't have to all be like an arms race where, you know, how many dozen shows do you have? Maybe a dozen shows is good mm-hmm. and that's fine and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but 
Yeah, and that's what you're, yeah. that's, that was where I wanted to go next was just the discussion of why a network and and uh, and not that like it not good or bad of running a network, but I think you you, know, you outlined it obviously. Just it's networks makes it sound almost more official for a lot of us. It's kind of like it's just a easier way than setting up a multiple WordPress or Squarespace or whatever CMS of choice instances. So you just do it on one site instead of having four or five, six, seven, and and having a, a single home makes it. I think nice for I think you'd agree like uh, for branding and and marketability it's easy to just direct people right to that one spot instead of all over the place um, and and selling sponsorships obviously yeah and, and things it's, like that. It, it's it's a lightweight means of doing a sort of grouping identity and <clears throat> you know I I like I like the name I like the you know evocative sound of of what my network is but it's really intended to be more lightweight than anything. In that you know, it's got a nice, clean, simple <clears throat> three-letter acronym name that it can go by, that can kind of shape itself around the look and feel of of different shows. Like the the art for the two shows that that Rich Stevens is on on ESN was he he drove both of those, and then I handed them over to my designer Joy Raphael, who who did the art for uh, for my shows when they were on Five by Five, and has done a bunch of other Five by Five art. Yeah, a bunch of good stuff. Art too. Yeah, yeah, and he 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 has a he has a, a style of his own, but it's something that he he adapts to the style of of what what people are looking for. And we kind of you know we we took a while figuring out what the the uh, signature look was and ways within that uh, subset to you know to let to let shows show off the individuality of the people that are associated with them uh where we you know we we uh we had original versions of the art of both shows that rich delivered uh some tweaks that jory did to one of them we ended up sticking with uh, an, a slightly adjusted by me version of the other show's art uh just because it, it looked and felt better and closer to to what rich wanted the shows to look like um so i you know, I, I don't think that discouraging anybody from starting a podcast network is productive. I think discouraging people from doing something because they feel like that's how other people do it, uh, I think that's totally valid. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something I do all day and all night is why are you doing this this way? What is your intention? Why why are you choosing this specific way to execute what it is that you're trying to do? And if the reason is, well, because that's a, how other people do it, that's the stupidest reason for anything. Well, uh, is that the only reason you're doing it is because other people do it that way? I, then where is your voice? Where is your individuality? Where, what, is, what is it that makes this about you uh, more than it's you trying to imitate somebody else? Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's something that I, I, I don't know why somebody would resist involving their voice in something. At the same time, uh, you know, trying to trying to look at something especially like podcasting as the sort of thing that you can you can avoid getting a little bit more personal than than even necessarily a blog you know if you're if you're a tech blogger i guess and you're reporting about tech stuff and everything there isn't a whole lot of room in there for uh your your personal life and uh, and you know letting the feels flow so to speak <laughs> As, uh, as as Mike Hurley and Casey List do on on analog, yeah, I think that's an interesting discussion. I think because the 
the temptation, and we all, I think a lot of us anyways, start off with the idea of seeing X, seeing somebody do X and wanting to do that as well because it looks like fun. So let's, we can pick on John Gerber because he's a big, you know, famous Apple blogger, podcast guy now. And, uh, but you know, you want to do that because you like Apple stuff and you like John's approach because it looks easy. He makes it look really easy. He just turns on the mic, records with some friends, doesn't really seem to care too much about where the discussion goes. Not not disparaging him at all, but just, you know, he has a chat with his friends and records it, puts it out there. And that's great. But I think, like you said, the, your opinion and your personality is more interesting than trying to copy John's opinion and John's personality and, and style of production. And there's, there's ways you could make it your own beyond just hitting record and, and copying that in as much as, like I yeah. said, I've done the same thing. That's why I'm talking into a high PR 40. It's because Dan Benjamin and Leo Laporte had a high PR 40. I figured, that's what I need. That's what I got to do. <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> but 300 and some dollars later, that's what I ended up with. So, um, yeah, that's it's Well, a, and it's, it's a great microphone. I, it, it really is. And, and for me, when it came to budget, you know, there, there is a high LPR 40 line on the original uh, budget that I put together for, for starting everything. Um, but when it came down to it, Acoustically, things were going to be just fine with the mic that I had that I'd already spent money on a couple years before. And I could gradually phase in other things. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know how well uh, Dan's like 17 computer mix minus setup is working for him uh, around the more limiting factor of whether Skype decides to behave <laughs> yeah. one day to the next. Uh, but I, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's often, there's often an urge to go, well, this person is doing it this way. So I guess, you know, I, the, the starting level of getting into podcasting and being quote unquote serious about it requires me to spend X when it's usually a lot more about getting comfortable talking in front of a microphone, talking to an audience, uh, if if there is something to invest in more than anything, it's getting over the thing that human beings cite as their greatest fear more than death, which is public speaking. Yeah. That's if you're a, yeah. really uncomfortable with the sound of your own voice, you're not going to do very well editing your own voice. Because <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to listen to it at least once. If, if you're yeah. doing any amount of, you know, hopefully a little bit of editing anyways, you're going to listen to it once. And if that makes you cringe and want to shut it off, that's... Yeah, that's what actually a lot of people who uh, in in my day job come and talk to me about the idea of doing a podcast. And I used to be just like everybody needs a podcast; you should do it. But it, and I still you agree. know what everybody needs is a blog. <laughs> exactly that same idea. How do I get a blog going? One of them blogs. <laughs> and I think we'll we'll as podcast whatever people who are that you know that little bit further down the road, we're going to start to hear more questions from folks as things like serial and NPRs you know hype gets around. And we'll but I think that idea of just I told a recent client like. Just sit down, turn on GarageBand or Windows equivalent, hit record, and then listen to it. And do you want to do that? <laughs> Just before you worry about mics and all that kind of stuff, because that's going to be the thing you're doing over and over and over. So is that fun or is it boring? Do you hate it? Do you get discouraged because you sound like an idiot or whatever? And I know, like, I'm sure you had similar experience of just, I recorded episodes of shows, whatever it was at the time, deleted it, did not want to do it, etc took me a good year or so to get over the idea of someone actually listening to my voice before I was able to commit to it 
And that was before I bought a mic, obviously a more expensive mic anyways. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a big, huge part of what you're doing here. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've thrown out, uh, things that I've worked on for days, <laughs> uh, because not just not because I, I just uh, got too precious about it or something, but just because there was there was not something usable there, and it was more productive to just go. I'm just gonna do something fresh and forget it. Toss this out, uh, you know. With uh, with the one of Rich Stevens's two shows, the one that I do with him, we've we've recorded stuff that we've just thrown out because it wasn't. It just didn't work, uh, and and we knew that we were going to do that. We knew that it was going to take some uh, some some ramping up to finding a rhythm and uh, and a cadence that was going to work, and that 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 worked nicely for a show that was sort of kind of about the paranormal and weird stuff and that kind of thing, but not really. Uh, and it's it's more explicitly about nothing, and it was it was more about focusing on the nothing. Than going, what bullets do we have for this topic of discussion, uh, and just not not getting so concrete about it, letting it be a little bit more free flowing, but at the same time, being conscious of time, that sort of thing, uh, ended up being all that we needed to do. We've, I, I think, we've only thrown out one, mm-hmm. just because it, it just kind of went nowhere. Uh, and even that though is a big, I think I've, I struggle with that idea too of like, I mean, hopefully this interview goes, it's gone well so far and we'll, we'll end well. And we yeah. I, I, block, I apologize but. again for, for having this gigantic allergy attack, yeah. like well, just no. as, as we were going to record a show about, you know, audio quality. And, You're, and are you really things. just allergic to Canadians? Is that what it comes down uh, to? Well, I, Hey, <laughs> you know, uh, Canadian bacon is a great thing for pizza. Uh, it's, it's a great, great thing for pizza. So. But that idea of, of tossing out, like, you know, we, we invest an hour, let's say here, uh, in this discussion and there's some prep time beforehand and, uh, and I start editing and then I think, oh, this just didn't go where I wanted. And my sis kept talking about pizza or whatever, and I got distracted and was hungry. And, um, and, but still the idea of throwing that out feels very like, that's a waste of time. I'll, I'll just I, throw it out there, throw it out. Hey, can, can, like, I, to feed. can I, can yeah. I court controversy? Yes, for sure. I recorded an entire episode of Tech Douchebags that was apparently totally unusable, even though I had my entire end of the conversation, and uh, <laughs> and I I was I, I I was expecting the episode to go up a particular day, and I hadn't seen anything tweeted or anything, and I was like, "Hey, man, what happened? We we'd been disconnected a couple times because there was a there's a lightning storm at his end." And, uh, and he said, yeah, it just, you know, it, 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 you know, it came out totally unusable on my end. And I said, I honestly had pretty clean takes from my end. You could have just asked and I would have sent him over. And he's like, no, I, you know, I got to back up and we'll just, we'll do another one sometime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, part of it was, you know, uh, it, it, we, we ended up having to record it in two parts over two days, uh, because I suddenly had something come up the first day and uh, I appreciated his understanding and everything, but it was still totally usable. Uh, maybe I was just a terrible guest, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you weren't but, enough of a douchebag. Maybe you too. I, <laughs> I guess, I guess either that or I, I think I kind of broke his format too. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to say to him was I, well, first I, you know, would have been nice if you told me a little earlier, uh, cause, uh, I, I thought that, you know, it was going to go out there and everything. And I, you know, I did spend the time being on, um, but it was more just thinking, you know, even, even though 
I'm sure that probably was was going to take a little bit more work if his stuff, if his end, his files were not going to be usable at all, and he was just going to be contending with my, you know, two side uh, Skype call files. Uh, Might have been a little bit of additional work, but but not so much that that if it were me, I would just throw the whole thing out and say we'll we'll do another one sometime, uh, you know, and not not just out of feeling some sort of obligation to just get it out there because it was recorded, but it just, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was going to be too much work. And, uh, you know, maybe I didn't emphasize well enough that the files I had were totally usable. Right. Uh, but it, it it was something that, that just struck me as I, you know, there was, there was nothing so problem problematic about it to me, at least that it was a lost cause, but, it really, for me, emphasized the fact that, hell, I don't know. I, and to be honest, and I told him this as we started, I was like, hey, I, I, I asked you to tell me like what the perfect example of the show is because I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to a single episode of it. Uh, and he had been, uh, you know, asking me on and asking me on. And I was like, yeah, fine, let's, uh, let's, do, let's do this. But just tell me, you know, what I should be prepared for and what I should know in advance and didn't get anything back from him. And he was like, Oh, well, I, th- I thought you'd, you know, you, you would have listened to some stuff. And I was like, I, I told you to, you know, just tell me, tell me what to listen to. Cause I, you know, I want to, I want to do, uh, do this show right by you. Uh, and, and once I, I kind of looked back at it, I was like, Oh, well, if I'd been prepared for that, I, I may have, I may have uh, taken it in a totally different direction. Uh, but it was, it was, it was the sort of thing that, uh, you know, from being on the outside looking in, uh, really reemphasized for me that I, you know, my reasons and his reasons for totally dumping a recording could be totally different, totally, totally different. And, uh, it could be that what he would have ended up with just wasn't going to jive with the rest of what he was putting together. And I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, where initially I took it, I honestly, you know, I took it as a little bit of a, uh, you know, I, you guys probably do, do, uh, don't do explicit tags on any of your stuff. So I'll, I'll say he, you know, uh, I, I initially took it a little bit of as a, as an F you man, uh, you know, right. sorry, but, uh, you were, you were no good and, uh, we'll try it again and we'll see if you get to do exactly what it is I would prefer that you do. Um, yeah, it's but, funny because that's where uh, Jordan is. He's um, I was on his show, which I'll put in the show notes too. Episode. Well, let's be honest. He's a douchebag. He's right. a he's a terrible human being. <laughs> no, I know that's what, not what you're saying, but and I know Jordan's <laughs> a, a he's got a thick enough skin and a good enough head on his shoulders. He can handle any sort of discussion like that. That's what I was going to say though. Is that you and him actually, ironically, in in sort of my. Podcasting spheres of people I pay attention to or whatever are both folks that have pushed me and inspired me to do more with podcasting and and I think that's part of the reason is I know he's a bit of a he would be a perfectionist and it might not perfectionist doesn't mean that you Moises or me Chris is going to think what he puts out is perfection but for whatever he wants you know the quality level and sim- similarly for me like with this show or whatever like my level of perfection to me is different than what yours is and um, but anyways the raising the bar anyways of what a what a podcast can do in terms of more of the like editing and production value and and also just pre- preparedness in a show um 
both of you in varying ways are folks that have have inspired me in that. And so it's just it's funny that the two of you <laughs> came together in this weird way and uh, just didn't quite mesh or whatever. But uh, well, well, th- thank you, and I'll, I'll thank you on behalf of Jordan too, uh, <laughs> because I th- I think I'm entitled to. I'm allowed to. Uh, yeah, especially you know so he he's a comedian, and I'm I'm not familiar with his work uh, on that front. Uh, it's not just a line. I'm, uh, I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, comedians have a very particular voice that they want to stick to and that they've, they've got to stick to. Uh, and, and so I, you know, more, more than anything, I respect his, his ability to choose to go, uh, you know, it, it's not that it's going to be too much work. It's that this, this just isn't, isn't, isn't gonna, gonna work quite well. Uh, and I got to pull this lever over here because there's, there's a certain, thing that I'm going for uh, because I, I have my own version of doing that where I would rather, you know, apologize to the audience and say, you know, this one episode took longer than expected. You're going to get two in one week. Uh, so, you know, sit tight because we want to get this one right. Um, because even though, even though I know that long term now that I'm settled, moved and everything and things have grown to a nice extent, that I can sustain the kind of volume that I want to do and the level of technical intricacy that I want to. I also don't feel like I've just got to crap something out just for the sake of the weekly schedule or I'm dead because my rapport with the audience and is, is such and they are engaged enough that they would rather I get it right and take my time ramping up to that point, then they would have me just, you know, throw something out there for the sake of having it out there and it be sloppy and four times as long as it should be. And, and I, I appreciate that a lot is, is having an audience that's there for me in that way. And, and that's something that, you know, again, going back to Jordan, I can see him, uh, being more focused on making sure that, his audience is going to be happy with the the product that he's putting out. That's not to say that they're going to uh, love every single thing and, and lord over him like uh, like some sort of uh, medieval monarch. But <laughs> well, it brings that, up a it brings up sorry to interrupt. It brings up an interesting ahead, question of of because uh, thinking for you and for me too, like how do we gauge our how do you gauge your audience? Because I know you know Jordan probably to keep picking on him, but he comes from coming from the the uh, stand up world. He would have at least compared to what I experienced in terms of actually doing this thing, you know, my mouth moving and words coming out in front of people. I have very little experience in, of that. I've been on stage playing guitar and stuff, but never, I don't sing and I don't, I've never spoken, but, um, he would have a, you know, at least that experience. And you've mentioned, you know, drama and, and things in the past that you've done, but with podcasting now, what's your way of gauging some of that sort of community? Cause you can't, it tends to be, I don't know, the, you get the, your audio file sucked. Why isn't it, you know, it played wrong. And that's, you get the complaint side, the negative things that people will quickly respond to or or pick you about. But then if everything's good and just kind of adequate or whatever, I guess, then you tend to not hear a lot. So what, what are you using sort of for measures and and gauging your audience that way? It's, it's tough. Um, There's more of a direct audience connection than there is in traditional terrestrial radio. Oh God, my, my voice is coming back. My, I can feel my sinus cavity settling back yeah, I think into sort uh, of drain there. The human range, yeah. It's, <laughs> to disgust I, anybody who's, you know, I'm, uh, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of mucus. Um, 
it's 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 not as difficult as saying, "Hey, I'm a you know a top forty station in a major metro area, and I have you know the most connection to my audience I have is whoever calls in to be caller number nine to win the car." or something like that. Um, They're the most engaged people, the people that I, that I would interact with as a listener myself for five by five shows that are, you know, in their IRC room as we speak, uh, listening to back to work, which ordinarily I would be doing, but this was more important than back to work this week. Um, You know, the, the people that I would interact with and that were into the same kind of stuff that I was doing, they followed me along to what I was doing at ESN. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I love, um, the uh, the better know a jackal show that that Mike does that you know if you ask me he doesn't need to he doesn't need to brand it explicitly to five by five uh, because nobody else is even trying to do an interview show talking to the audience behind podcasting um, and uh, I I think it's uh, awesome that he's pulling it off as well as he is now and that uh, no it it seems like it seems like it's still the best kept secret of podcast audience uh, engagement. <laughs> is mm-hmm. that other people could be doing that, but it's not it's not quite as sexy. You know, yeah. let's be honest. Mike is doing the unsexiest sexy work in podcasting. <laughs> um <laughs> and and engaging with people directly is the thing that I've had the most luck with. Um whether it was in, you know, past lives doing marketing, consulting and PR spin stuff. Um, going after the most critical voices in addition to the most uh, fervent and supportive voices I found to be radically more successful than just kind of expecting, well, the audience will show up or they won't, or, you know, I can get this guest or that guest and that's going to generate an audience for me. I feel, you know, I, I curse on Twitter. I curse on a number of my shows. Uh, I don't try to make it something that happens every time. Um, you know, I'm outspoken about political issues, uh, here and there. Um, you know, social justice issues. Uh, you could say that I'm a, I, 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 I go to war for some of that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm not afraid to, uh, because frankly, if I'm, if I'm trying to anonymize myself to the point that I have no strongly held beliefs, um, and I'm, I, I, I would be lying if I, if I didn't say that I'm kind of directly talking about at least a, a couple of people in podcasting, that this is what drives me nuts about them is that they they want to be as antiseptic in front of their audience as possible and you know almost like somebody who's running for office who won't even tell you what party they're running with right um, where they just they just want to be you know the good old guy personality you know like Johnny Carson or something uh, who you know even more so than somebody in late night TV wants to mask, what it is that they actually give a crap about, what it is that that pisses them off, what it is that that really means something to them outside of, you know, what they eat or, uh, you know, how they choose to raise their kids. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it it feels like running the exact opposite direction of what podcasting is capable of doing. It's like actively rejecting the audience, being allowed to see you for who you are. And I know that I've got I've got more conservative members of my audience that that kind of uh, put up with me a little bit uh, when it comes to some of the personal stuff. But it's not it's not like I'm doing my version of of political talk radio and talking about that stuff all the time. Um, but I kind of you know I I I try to tend more toward the John Stewart end of things, where yes, he definitely falls on the political left, 
but he is radically more centrist than basically anybody else in that game and kind of makes fun of everybody and everything. And, and he's, he's an equal opportunity offender. Um, and, and I think sticking to that where, yeah, it's fine for my personal beliefs to get out there, but at the same time, I'm not pulling my punches for the people that are quote unquote on my side of something. Um, you know, I, I don't feel, I don't feel bad about that. But if I were going to the extent of just trying to be as uh, hermetically sealed and plastic of a human being as I can, just because I, I don't know whether, whether it's, whether it's having a thin skin, whether it's um, feeling like that somehow limits your audience to actually have an opinion about certain things that aren't smartwatches and tablets and computers and crap. Um, but that that's the thing that I, I think if there is a an absolute biggest lost opportunity in podcasting, it's it's people that feel like there is something dangerous about putting yourself out there and who you are. Um, and, you know, culturally, I know that that's different for for different people. I think it's it's a big, bold step that Mike has a show about feels because I know that the people in the UK don't have emotions. <laughs> um, so, you know, him taking on emotions just for the sake of doing a podcast, I think is, is pretty huge. And, uh, and we have Casey list to thank for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I joke, of course. Well, um, I mean, that's like the Canadian joke would be that it's, we, I'm at risk of offending anybody. And so I, therefore I will not share my opinion because I don't want to. I'm very you. sorry. I'm not going to even do this podcast. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Uh, and <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go over here and watch the Maple Leafs play and have some Labatt. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sorry, and uh, I'll uh, I won't do it again. <laughs> well, and <laughs> that's a the interesting thing, like what you brought up about you know personality, and then I remember Leo Laporte back in the day, and maybe he still does this. I, I'm I haven't watched or listened a lot these days to Twit and stuff, but just lack of time more than any interest. But well, the, yeah, that idea uh, of are seeing you referring him referring to Leo, Leo, how much he enjoys talking about genocide and and child soldiers, <laughs> uh, and, and and how he endorses all of that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sub sub podcast what's the word in sub tweet on twitter but sub uh sub podcast i don't think that i'm not following but there the that you'd see him on like the mac break weekly show and he's raving Macs and hating windows and then he's on the windows show and he's raving windows and hating and you're that disconnect of like and that's a bit of the old school mentality too of like yeah. i can get away with this because um you know this audience listens to this show and this other audience doesn't listen to this show and so they'll you know and whatever and, and trying to hide those yeah. Two, two personalities or whatever. And then there's the other option that that just is a, a, an accurate reflection of the maelstrom inside of Leo Laporte. Right. He's, he's a man torn between two worlds. <laughs> In a world where Leo Laporte has to choose. <laughs> okay, we uh, the theory of podcasting and the discussion of podcasting, we've spent a lot of time on. I want to make sure I get some time to just give you, well, talk about your gear, but also the shows that you do. I, I don't have a lot of, uh, I haven't had a lot of podcast network owners or whatever we call ourselves on this show, not out of intention, just haven't, uh, haven't lined those guests up, but um, talk me through a few of your shows that uh, you want to sort of pimp or, or discuss uh, in, in, it be interesting sure. to chat about. Well, I'll, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll go semi-chronologically uh, over the, the illustrious nine month life <laughs> of ESN. Uh, when I was at five by five, I started out doing a show called screen time, uh, that I had always wanted to call electric shadow. Uh, and the, the term electric shadow comes from the literal translation of the Chinese word for cinema, which is Dian Yin. Um, and it's something that just electric shadow when I, when I was hit with that in, in a Chinese cinema and culture course at university, uh, I found it 
amazingly evocative and I was shocked that nobody had used it yet. And so I, I, I said to myself, I will use this for something someday. Um, and so when I started looking at different podcasts that I wanted to do, because I, there are people who are totally satisfied doing a podcast, but I unfortunately have just two varied of interests to, uh, to just do one. Um, I figured that would be, that would be the core of what it is that I was doing. And what I wanted initially was to do something that was, you know, for people who listen to 99% Invisible, Planet Money, This American Life, The Moth, something that at its core, the spine of it was a storytelling format that revolved around whether it's something that's particularly interesting in the news or a particular genre or a particular artist, it could bounce around the spectrum of movies, TV, even to a small extent video games that involved storytelling with moving images on glowing screens and that, that had some sort of an interesting hook that had some sort of a thing to it that wouldn't be the same thing that other shows about similar subject matter would be doing one week to the next. And so in its five by five life as screen time, it was really basically just me interviewing people like Peter Weller and Virginia Madsen and Guillermo del Toro and Ryan Johnson and John August and a bunch of famous Hollywood people. And that was all well and good. And I loved those interviews. But what I really wanted to be doing was excerpt the choiciest bits and chunks of those interviews over that, the spine of that kind of storytelling content. And that's, that's something that I, you know, I went way the other direction at first with the show, focusing more on maintaining the kind of around an hour and a half length that it started with, where most of it was panel discussion with a small bit of, um, of creative inter interview that's, that's, uh, that's, that's cut into it. Um, but very early on in the show's run, I started moving toward the format that it's settled into where it's under an hour, you know, 40 minutes ish max. A lot of episodes will end up being like 20 minutes long that really makes an efficient use of time, not just for the sake of meeting an arbitrary time limit, but for looking at, at the fact that since podcasts are exploding, more and more people are looking at, well, God, I don't have time to listen to that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and being the show that people can listen to as they do some gardening or, you know, put the, uh, you know, put the, uh, the Christmas lights up or whatever. Um, and this is all stuff that was supposed to happen, you know, months ago. Um, but you know, having to move suddenly through my entire year off. So it's only just finally, uh, come into, into play after, after the show being on hiatus for a few weeks, just because I, I needed that distance to be able to set it up properly. Um, and it's still the, you know, the most downloaded show on the network. Um, you know, I've, I've had big name tech industry people on it. I've had big name movie industry people on it. You know, the guy who wrote the iron giant, Harry Knowles from any cool news, John Gruber, Adam Lissagor. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been kind of carefully sculpting it into the thing that it's become, which is if, if you, if you like the style of heavily intercut storytelling that you hear on shows that have radically big, bigger budgets, enormous staffs and a bunch of infrastructure behind them, I really do think that it's something that I can produce myself and I have been. And you know, there's, there's a, a nice, there's a nice pile of stuff dropping here, you know, at the beginning of December, there's literally four weeks of the year left 
Um, but things are, are stacked up nicely such that um, most weeks, more often than not, actually, there's going to be two episodes of that show a week just, you know, to, to some extent to kind of catch up. But because it's short enough now that two 20-minute podcasts in a week is not like getting one 120-minute podcast mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden that that somebody figures out how they're going to listen to over a series of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's a that's a, a a probably more involved than necessary uh, kind of general impression of that show. Um, well, and one thing I wanted to ask about that show, and I'm yeah. uh, as you say, and as Merlin says, I'm not as familiar with your work, but the the you the the thing that sort of goes against that in podcasting is, let's say you have uh, somebody, let's uh, Adam Lissick or let's say or whoever as as an interview guest, and then you're going to chop up that interview and only use ten minutes of it, maybe or whatever it ends up being, and for some of us, I would feel like what a waste because, mm. like you're you've got this I'm, one I'm, chance. I'm I'm, go- I'm going to use a total of like 15 minutes of John Syracuse. Right when he's you know <laughs> probably talked for 16 hours and or whatever. Uh, you'd you... be surprised. <laughs> I, well, I did, and sorry, sorry to jump in on you. Uh, that's something that that I that I very actively thought about, and and a big part of reworking the format was, for example, Adam. I think I cut out maybe five minutes. Um, but I, I, we did a very specifically targeted chat and, and in pitching John Syracuse on an episode about, um, some studio Ghibli movies that I'm, I'm hoping to pull off, uh, pending his schedule and my schedule. Um, the thing that was attractive to him about it was, Hey, I, you know, I said, you do these super in-depth, really great studio Ghibli episodes on the incomparable, the incomparable.com great network in and of itself run by Jason Snow. Um, I don't want to do just like one of that because you're already doing that and that's great. What I want to do is something that that focuses on some more bigger picture stuff about two or three of those movies and talks about some of the more general kind of big picture stuff where, you know, maybe I ask you like two or three questions and I really only need like 20 minutes of your time. And max, right? Uh, and and frankly, it'll 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 work best if that's the absolute most that I get out of you because then otherwise I'm, you know, figuring out how to make four episodes out of it. Yeah. Um, just because I, I, I can't, I can't do an 80 minute episode of electric shadow every week. Um, I don't have the time for it. The audience doesn't have the time for it. Um, frankly of, of the shows that I'm primarily on, the only one that, that I'm comfortable letting stretch into that like hour and a half length anymore is giant size because it is such a super focused niche show. It's a show about comics and reading recommendations for comics. And I know that people who listen to that show or who are listening to that show in theory in the future are the type to potentially focus in on a specific topic episode of that show, or they do make time for that length of a show for that subject matter that nobody else is doing or nobody else is doing in the way that we do it. Where instead of being, you know, we're going to review a single issue of a comic book, we focus on a particular topic or a particular subset of creators or genre or something like that. So the, the subject matter of it is more toward reading recommendations with a very focused intent. You know, I, I know that the audience is smaller for that one than the other shows, but it is more dedicated to where if we put out, you know, two semi long shows uh, in one week, they would still both get listened to. Um, but I, you know, the, the, the time conundrum is the thing that, uh, 
I know that lots of people would say, well, if I can get John Syracuse, I would like three hours of John Syracuse for one of my shows. And I, there are already places to get three hours of John Syracuse on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm not saying that there's literally anything wrong with the talk show or, or accidental tech podcast. I think they're both great shows. I listen to them both religiously. Um, but I, I don't know why I need to, you know, put on, put on my, my ATP cosplaying hat and, yeah, exactly. and pretend like I'm doing that show because I'm not, I'm just not doing that show. Like yeah. why, I, I, I'm, I, I'm now I'm turning into a broken record, but you know, why, why do I have to do the same show that everybody else is doing? Um, it's one of the reasons that the, the third, the third fork in the trident of the three shows that I launched the network with, uh, the reason I started doing thank you for calling was because I'd done extensive work in the customer service industry. And as many of these public radio shows as I listened to, um, uh, you know, I'm going to get classist. Uh, and, and I hope, I hope you forgive me, Chris, I, I, uh, but a bunch of these, these upper middle class jerks, uh, making these public radio shows, <laughs> they, um, they, I wouldn't say they're in an ivory tower. They're in an ivory, uh, brownstone walk-up in Brooklyn. Uh, and, and it's like they, they forget what the common people go through, um, who can't say, do you know who I am? You know, from American public media and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, fix this immediately for me. Uh, I am, I am one of the upper classes. I am the, the kind of person that senators listen to on the radio. Uh, not all of us have that benefit. And um, looking at looking at the nature of customer service, both as an industry and as kind of a sub industry across different kinds of business, um, you know, there's there's the kind of obvious, you know, consumerist.com type of stuff, like letting a bunch of people bitch about airlines for a couple hours. And then there's stuff like uh, talking to, to Brother Gay Mosier uh, about the customer service nature of being a priest and other work that he's done. Uh, you know, at some point when our schedules meet up, I'm going to talk to Marco Arment about his past as a bagel guy, uh, working at Brugger's Bagels. Um, you know, and you know, maybe a little bit about his, his app stuff and everything, but I'm actually more interested in talking to the, uh, the app guy about how his past, uh, you know, recommending what bagels people should get uh, has, has led to the extraordinarily opinionated guy that, that uh, people love, hate, and everything in between. Yeah, I was going to say that, that him selling someone and pitching someone on bagels or, or giving them advice on bagels would be an interesting experience. Uh, obviously, he's I'm, he's grown in his opinions, yeah. <laughs> but still, that's and that's exactly why I think the idea of pushing beyond what you know in podcasting to continue with that theme, just of what you've heard, means like that idea of take it in a different direction. We yeah. have a million, like I've over, I've Marco's been on a million shows and, and he's, he's interesting and I'll probably listen to a lot of them, but when he gets interviewed and he, I think he does a good job of, of sort of self um, regulating how much he's yeah. on other shows as well. And, and, and it's, it's a good thing because he knows he's aware that there's only so many times somebody's going to listen to his origin story as yeah. it were. And so and a lot of times, you know, he gets the same questions and that's one of the things that doing, doing interviews with comic industry people and movie industry people on, on those two shows, I, the majority of my time for prep really goes into figuring out what the 17 questions are. Everybody gets all the time and avoiding those completely mm -hmm. and going in as, as different of a direction as humanly possible. And even though I may only use, part of some interview that, you know, ends up going way longer than, than what I use, uh, as part of the show, 
I have supplementary feeds for those interviews that are kind of the equivalent of, you know, you watch The Daily Show or you watch all kinds of stuff now on TV where they're like, uh, you know, an extended version of this interview, it's on the web, go to dailyshow.com, blah, 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 blah. Um, I looked at, you know, my own angle of doing that where if you really want to hear me talk to Peter Weller for like an hour, awesome, knock yourself out, go listen to that. I've put it in this other feed as effectively like a, a kind of a DVD extra. Um, but there are so many interview shows out there that I thought trying to do just strictly an interview show in two different industries was something that I could, you know, if, if I was looking at, at the final product of that being a bonus feature that I wasn't having to, uh, you know, stress out about um, having, having consistent audience from guest to guest where the, the problem with those shows generally, from what I've seen, from what people who have done them have told me, uh, from, you know, the, the, the reason that they inevitably, you know, start to taper off is that if you're Brett Terpstra and you have the reputation that Brett Terpstra does and the different take on it that he does is systematic, um, you know, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're Tim from Good Stuff and you've got something like the, the East Wing, and you've got, you know, your, your own specific voice, it works for you and it makes sense. Um, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Hurley doing inquisitive has landed him a gig moderating a Q and a at the, at the, uh, the Apple store in London, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there are folks that can sustain that because of the, the, the angle that they have on it. But when, in my case, it's more driven by these media personalities. If you care about the lady who did voice direction for Batman the Animated Series, maybe you want to listen to three and a half hours of her. Uh, and she's awesome and she's great. And of the interviews that I did during, during what I call the screen time era of Electric Shadow uh, on 5x5, I, you know, I'm, I'm most proud of this like oral history I got uh, out of her. But that isn't necessarily going to mesh well with kind of bouncing back and forth between Guillermo del Toro and Peter Weller and, you know, the guy who edited Prometheus and it, it just, the, the nature of it lent itself better to using the best cuts and then, you know, putting everything else out on the buffet tray yeah. uh, for, for whoever wants to come along for it. Um, well, I actually, I'm probably running way, way over now. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think we'll, we'll do that as well. Cause I want to get to the, the meat of, or the, what I think people tune in for, you can send me feedback if you don't <laughs> tune in for this, <clears throat> but getting to the, at least spending two minutes or so on the gear that you use and we'll all, if uh, Moises has time and, and allows for this, we'll, I'll throw extra discussion in our own auxiliary feed that we use here at good stuff. Good stuff. That I will allow such a thing. It, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw, um, if just to mention the other stuff that's, that's on there in brief, uh, just to, to get that out of the way, uh, so that I don't, I don't feel like, uh, stabbing myself. Uh, I mentioned, uh, Rich Stevens has a couple of shows on the network. Uh, the one that I do with him is called night moves. It's about a half hour long, uh, each time. And it's kind of a show about what keeps us up at night in terms of the weird, the creepy, the paranormal, the strange, that kind of thing. But it's really barely about that. And it's more, uh, just, uh, kind of about, uh, um, bullshit. <laughs> really? And, uh, and it's, it's more of a comedy show than anything else. Uh, and he also does a show called Coffee Insider with, uh, a fellow web cartoonist, Daniel Corsetto. Uh, Rich does a strip called Diesel Sweeties, has for 15 years, if you've never heard of it. Um, dieselsweeties.com. Uh, so they, they talk about their creative process and it's not so much a show about comics or making comics as just 
getting their work done and being creative people in a still burgeoning industry. Um, and then Fire Talk with me is a, a limited run retrospective show where a couple friends of mine out in LA are watching Twin Peaks episode by episode and kind of doing the talking dead to its walking dead, uh, talking about each episode with a guest uh, after watching each one where one of them has seen the show and knows it well. One of them, this is their first time experiencing it. Uh, another episode of that is actually going to go up just when, when I uh, finish with you. And then um, the supplementary feeds with interviews, screen time, and artist edition are on there. Uh, I just started a, a micro length, like five, six minute show called Criterion Collected about uh, the uh, the great American home video label Criterion. Um, and uh, just uh, within, within the week of us recording this, uh, my friend Brett Terpstra uh, brought his two shows, Systematic and Overtired, from 5x5 over to ESN, and they're continuing their original numbering. They're still going to be the shows that you know and love, you know, maybe with a, a few little tweaks he's been wanting to institute in them. Uh, and and with, with those two shows, uh, he brings Christina Warren into the tent. Um, and uh, and I'm, not, I'm not looking to go on a, on a big show acquisition spree, but there, there are a couple out there. There are a couple out there that I want, and I want them really badly, and I'll probably know within the next six weeks uh, whether whether it, it's likely that they'll fit in. But they they will fit in with the overall thrust of the network if if they end up happening. Nice. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, that's another interesting discussion. I, I keep meaning to try and schedule uh, sort of – which part of me thinks this sounds really douchebaggy, but uh, to have a podcast network owners summit – episode of show me your mic i don't know it probably wouldn't nobody would end up talking because we'd all just end up talking or something i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> but it would be you interesting call it the 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 special podcast special yeah exactly <laughs> oh that would be so terrible but so fun um, and no and no i do not want to poach any of the shows at good stuff not because i don't <laughs> like them but because they have a great home where they are right <laughs> we should yeah we'll have to discuss that'll be part of the uh, discussion on that episode is the uh What's that called when like uh, Apple can't poach employees from Google or something? Yeah, a, a some, some sort of a no poaching agreement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we don't have a no poaching agreement. It's just it's just the sort of thing. That, I mean, I wouldn't do that. Uh, and and there's there's nothing wrong with good stuff. Yeah. Uh, frankly, you guys are more consistent and have your have your crap together than I do most of the time. Well, we all have our seasons. I think that's the <laughs> seasons of podcasting. Okay, so so, so rig, rig, and, and set up yeah, all that kind of what, stuff. Uh, You're gonna, yeah, we'll get there. Some, some people are going to weep, and they're going to they're going to say, "This guy is is doing nothing but podcasting for a living. How is that possible? He's an idiot." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I have uh, the first version of the Retina MacBook Pro 15 inch uh, stacked to the gills, absolutely maxed out. Um, that was, that was my biggest equipment, uh, investment. Um, I, I was still doing marketing consulting, but I was already podcasting at that point. And it is a, a massively insanely powerful and fast system that does everything that I need it to. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hit, you know, I, I guess the, the broad spectrum of, of, of the equipment. Is that is that what I should do? Yeah, just, yeah, just, just sort of mic to cable. I'm mean, not this cable specific. I was joking about gold-plated cables, obviously. But, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sort of the, the path from 
where whichever direction mic down to the computer or computer back to mic or whichever way you so want. So I the, the the computer for me is is the epicenter of it. Um because I I've so I've got the computer, I've got a 27-inch Thunderbolt display uh which uh, which looks just real long in the tooth compared to those damn 5K iMacs. Um uh and I I uh I I use uh, both monitors at once. I've also got um I've got a MacBook Air that I have occasionally taken with me on the road. Um just because it's smaller, more compact in a small bag, I can throw the 11 inch MacBook Air and uh, and my mic, and you know be able to record something in a hotel room or you know at a table at a convention or whatever. Um, but I uh, I've also to that kind of mobile setup, I've added a a, um, a Zoom H4n digital uh, audio recorder that is fantastic and doesn't require me to have a mic plugged into a computer. Um, and I can get great quality audio and just pull it out, hit a switch, push two buttons and go. Um, and there are things that, uh, that I use that for like uh, coffee insider and, and night moves both have not theme music, but like theme sound beds, I guess. Um, Bits of which I took from archival audio, but actually Coffee Insider in particular, I recorded all of using the Zoom H4n and, you know, a, a drip coffee maker and a can of cider and a glass and just, you know, really basic level stuff. But I just walked around my house and recorded that stuff with with that thing. So I, I kind of dual wield mics depending on the situation um, because what I do is not strictly you know, slap theme music on something and just use the mic that's plugged into the computer. I mentioned earlier, I use a blue Yeti pro and there is nothing wrong with a blue <laughs> Yeti pro. Absolutely nothing wrong with a blue Yeti pro, uh, because it works for me. And if there is a single piece of advice that, uh, you know, I, I don't think you would, you would contradict me on, um, that I love to give out. It's if it is a mic that works for you and it makes your stuff sound good then everybody else can go screw off. <laughs> yeah, and I my giggling is not because of uh I I'm with you in terms of uh using the best tools you have in the budget you have and and there's certainly an argument to be made for at some point progressing maybe or investigating things that are might work better. Not all of us have the opportunity yeah. to go to a sound uh or um, audio shop and test our voices on different mics and things like that. So at some point and you will know it uh, when, if, and when it comes to pass that you need yeah. to upgrade a mic or whatever, but yeah, I'm, can, can I say though, the, the road podcaster is a giant pile of crap. <laughs> well, that's what Pink I'm hearing more and more. I have never used one. I just heard so many people were using it. And so I'd often recommend it to, to friends Dan, or whatever, but Dan I know it, foisted this, this piece of junk on me and, and I had nothing <laughs> but problems with it. I, I was using my Yeti pro and he was like, Oh, it's, you know, it's terrible. It's awful. It's picking up all this stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't even think you're listening to my shows first of all. <laughs> um, so I don't know that I believe you, but you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, you know, I've got some, some extra money to kick around. So I bought the whole road, uh, setup and everything. And the most basic issue I had with the road, which other people have been talking about too, is that the connection of the USB cable, um, into, into the the actual microphone itself, for whatever reason, it would lose contact. Just oh, yeah. no rhyme or reason to it. Out of nowhere, nothing moved, and it would just suddenly no longer be connected. And I would be like, oh my God, did Skype drop out? Did this or that or whatever happened? I ran into so many issues with the damn thing where 
suddenly the computer would stop recognizing it and it would switch to my Thunderbolt display built-in mic and it would sound like I was recording in a bathroom. It, it drove me so friggin' crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's, for me, a great example of just because somebody's recommending it is the only way to go and a great way to go and a great all-in-one solution doesn't necessarily mean that it still actually works. Yeah. Um, I know he's taken it. I just was, I saw the other yeah, day. Yeah, he he's taken it off of his, his 17 volume uh, podcast, <laughs> uh, you know, guide to, you know, how, how to podcast. Yeah. The, uh, um, I know. Finally, after I, my browbeating him to for ages, because <laughs> it's a piece of junk. Drives me crazy. It's always like the anecdotal, that's nerds and anecdotal evidence are, I think, forever intertwined and, and cannot yeah. see past their own nose. I, I'm guilty of it as well. The, the, um, Sam's, it's not Samsung, but Samson. C one O C zero one U, which is again ter- like Road Podcaster is a nice brand name that's easy yeah. to recommend. The Samson C zero one U USB microphone starter kit, which is around eighty bucks, is a good alternative that people don't hear a lot about. In because Yeti also has great marketing. Yeah. Samson the the the, the Samson mic does it does it have a, a headphone jack on it for monitoring? That I don't know. Uh, so your mileage? Uh, yeah, it does actually. Looking at an image right okay. now, it's got a so. That it's just, like that I don't care. You, Under a hundred bucks, yeah, do it. That's the thing. Like do that. Like I'm, I'm, I have a Yeti Pro, and and to, so the difference between the Blue Yeti and the Yeti Pro is the Yeti Pro, in addition to having a USB input, also has an XLR uh, jack on it. So yeah, uh, and 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 this will get to uh, like I've got what I use, and then what I've got that is sitting here unused that I feel awful about. Um, that is actually it's going to change at some point this month. Um, the Yeti itself. Jason Snell uses one mm-hmm. works totally fine for him. Um, I, I was, I was looking at the Yeti and then I realized the Apple store that I was in had the Yeti pro and I was like, well, I might eventually move to an XLR setup and it's a little bit more money. So ah, whatever, screw it. I'm going to do the, the Yeti pro and I'm glad that I did mm-hmm. because as I look to using an audio interface, uh, I've got, uh, there's a, uh, I'll, I'll get the model number uh, for it. Um, but there's this, uh, PreSonus, uh, audio interface that uh, my buddy Mark Miles uh, got me hooked on um, that I've, I've tinkered with a little bit but have not fully integrated into my setup because since uh, one of my friends, John Golson, is here locally in town and because I am recording shows um, you know, with people uh, remotely, I want to be able to basically be a remote audio engineer with my glorious gigabit e- uh, internet access <laughs> and Basically, when when Rich Stevens and Daniel Corsetto are going to record Coffee Insider, I can connect with both of them, bring them in on separate lines, and use the uh, the processing power of that audio interface and my enormous internet pipe to honestly get better quality audio from the two of them than I could just leaving them to their own devices to record a Skype call. And the audio on that show, I think, is totally acceptable. I think it could be better, but for it to get better. I don't feel like I can just go here. I'm going to mail you guys microphones and you guys figure it out and I'll uh, clean it up in the edit. It makes a lot more sense for me to be able to send them equipment and equalize them on my end of things and, and kind of, you know, keep, keep an eye on things where each time we've done one of those shows, I've been there just on mute listening the whole time and like typing up the show notes as we go. Mm -hmm. And, not all of the shows on ESN even lend themselves toward live broadcast because they're so heavily edited um, because that's the kind of shows they are, uh, even though some people would say that that's, that's what, you know, the, they're not real shows if you're not broadcasting them live. Well, go, go suck on a bag of nuts. 
Um, <laughs> that show is one that actually would work fine broadcasting it live. Uh, the couple of shows that I want really, really, really badly uh, are, are also the kind of shows that would actually work just totally fine broadcasting them live. Um, but it's something that I didn't kill myself to massively overspend on equipment so that I could do right at the outset, partly because I didn't think it was necessary for the core shows that I was launching with, but mostly because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to pull it off and I had to pick my battles. And initially I was looking at trying to do it, but when it really came down to it, I didn't, I didn't think that it was as important as investing in stuff that was just going to let me get things off and going. Same reason that I've waited until now to start setting up Facebook pages for the shows and individual Twitter accounts for the shows because I, I had to decide where I was going to spend those resources. So on, on, my, on my tech setup, um, I, I focused on something that was going to get things taken care of early on and make sure that I had data redundancy in the event that, you know, heaven forbid, the internal storage on my laptop goes out. So I've got uh, a Drobo 5N and a Drobo 5D. And, you know, I, I mirror everything that's recorded locally on my Mac to both of those. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got a few other bits of equipment in here that probably aren't worth even mentioning, but that are kind of, you know, sitting around for me to start noodling with as I go to the, the more sophisticated overall setup uh, in terms of, of what I'm doing, you know, here in the house. And I, you know, even, even theoretically bringing in these couple extra shows and a couple others that might be in development um, and that have been in development since the very beginning or, you know, part of the plan. Uh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I've got to go too crazy, more complicated than I've got right now, uh, to be honest. And frankly, I, I could continue doing these shows and achieve a similar, if not identical level of quality that I would get out of spending a gigantic, unfathomable amount of money um, by doing things the simple way. So I, uh, I'm kind of instituting changes as it seems like I need to rather than because I feel like I've got to take a machete to a, a problem that probably just needs a scalpel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, uh, what do you use to edit with uh, software-wise? GarageBand. Garage um, yeah. Mostly because there's, there's, there's the learning curve of logic is not so steep that I couldn't switch to logic, but because I've been so familiar with GarageBand for so long um, and because the the nature of the stuff that I'm doing, there is a lot of fine tuning here and there and I'm putting in sound effects and audio clips and all that kind of stuff. Even though there 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 is probably a version of my workflow that would save some time and logic, I just haven't had the time to invest to actually ramp myself to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, in, you know, in, in the early days um, and here actually pretty soon with, with some of the new stuff, uh, I farmed a lot of stuff out to Mark Miles, who was doing everything in Logic, uh, and who was editing most of Five by Five's main shows for the longest time, uh, until he was no longer doing that. They Five by Five brought in a, an in, in-house guy, and Mark had some other stuff that he was doing too, and and uh, I was I was perfectly happy to um, to uh, to take up some of his uh, newly opened up time, um, so that I was able to offload time that I needed to focus on, on other stuff, uh, in the early days. Um, but I, I very, I very much 
always wanted to come back around to editing the shows myself. And as I, as I grow what it is that I'm doing, it's not that I don't think somebody else could edit the shows for me, but it's the sort of thing that there, there are a couple of people that, that, uh, that I've been talking to since the early days that are kind of the ideal mix of somebody that I can teach the editing to that either have continuity cutting experience from working in film uh, or who just, just kind of get it that would also work for some supplementary administrative stuff that I, that I sooner than later really am going to need to be able to, to have somebody else doing so that I can focus on the stuff that it's most crucial that I focus on. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that at the moment is GarageBand and I don't know why it would move to Pro Tools ever. Um, but, you know, conceivably over the next six months, we'll probably end up migrating over to Logic. Yeah. And that's, there's a, another interesting podcast related discussion that sort of crops up every so often of, of a podcast specific app for recording. And I saw, uh, I remember yeah. seeing Mark Ormond tweet about it and saw another app developer. I saw Mike Hurley retweeted talking about it a bit and, and just, you know, there's just, the numbers aren't don't make sense there yet. The other one that's uh, I, I don't think the numbers will ever make sense. Like this, this is one imagine, of the yeah. podcasting douchebag things that that I will uh, happily weigh in on. It's like saying I'd like Final Cut, but that does a lot of the work for me. That mm. doesn't really exist because it can't really exist. There's a certain amount of it that okay, yeah, that, like the the simplification step that I think these guys want who do double enders where they use each individual's um, recording of their own end is they want something that will just that will capture uh, that will that will sync all of those tracks up and put them all in one place together for you um and for me it's it, it seems to me like a matter of a simplification step beyond a command line tool that Marco put together that a small subset of people are using I don't use it because I don't do double enders because when I end up crunching it down to 64 kbps, the the audio quality that I get would not be sufficiently helped uh, to the extent that it'd be worth the amount of additional work that syncing up those tracks would be. And I don't know that there's a tool that would simply enough uh, cut out that inconvenience that it would be really the the thing that I would stress out over. You know, I, I got like Adam Lizagor sent me his end from when I recorded with him and it wasn't appreciably better from what I got over the Skype call on my end. And so I just used what I had that was already synced. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I think people sweat the detail way too much about everything sounding amazingly glorious and lossless when nobody like is are all of these podcasters going to go back and re-release you know, Beatles remastered versions of these podcasts <laughs> at like hundreds of megabytes. Yeah, I remember Dan. I really Dan, don't think so, man. Somebody, probably Dan and Leo uh, and that vintage anyways of, not that Dan's that much older than me, but anyways, that of era of podcasts are talking about, you know, keeping copies, the logic files or whatever it was of, of stuff. And I just don't have the space to, and it like sometimes it'd be fun to go back and, and do a little bit of re-editing or a year-end thing or whatever. But um, if, yeah, to me, the the when you know your audience, half of them are listening to it on their phone and headphones and wherever they happen to be. Like you want, obviously the quality to be adequate and good enough that they can hear, but it is just talk for the most part. And so it's a tough argument to, yeah. 64 KBPS mono, it really is fine for a bunch of this stuff. Like 
when I download one of Ice T's final level podcasts, because I listen to Ice T's podcast, I nice. do. I do. I re- I, I've called in. I've been on that show, um, <laughs> you know, talking about, about being frustrated with politics. Um, I, I wince when I look at this download size of like 180 megs and it's stereo and it's like 320 kbps. And I'm like, God, dude. Oh, wow. <laughs> like I like talk about overkill. Uh, okay. Uh, but I, you know, I, I much prefer my like 20, 30, 40 megabyte files that just zip down to my phone. Yeah. Okay. So let's, the, the other question I have for you is, is podcasts you listen to and you've mentioned, you know, well, I still oh, God, way too many of them. Yeah. So <laughs> here, um, so, uh, so the, the, the two, the two five by five shows that I, I still listen to regularly, uh, are isometric and back to work. And, uh, and you know, you, you can really tell I like you, uh, when I miss back to work. Uh, to record your show. Um, well, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I think everything that Roman Mars touches is gold. Uh, I love 99% Invisible. Uh, and that's me unintentionally not having my phone on silent and being terribly rude. I, I pulled it open to see what all I'm, I'm uh, subscribed you to. You just ruined I, podcasting forever. Yeah, well, that's, uh, some would say that I've already done that. Um, <laughs> I listen to all of the relay shows, even the one about pens, even though I'm a pencil guy and you know, it's, I mean, it seems like Hatfields and McCoys, like I just shouldn't get along with it, but I do. Um, a lot of times I, I have to play catch up on those. Uh, and I like, I like doing kind of a weekend marathon as I'm doing house cleaning, laundry, that kind of a thing. And I just, I just binge the entire week of relay shows in one go. With the exception of Bonanza, because uh, since since Bionic has been reborn as Bonanza, um, there are few shows about absolutely jack nothing that are that are as good as it. Um, and I I will I will exclusively announce that I have been deep in production uh, on on a track similar to the last thing that you hear on the final episode of Bionic on Five by Five. I may just have been working on a uh, a song to the tune of Adele's Skyfall that may or may not be called Trousers Fall. Nice. Uh, that, uh, that I, frankly, minds will be blown. It will have to be heard to be believed. And it may be the only appropriate way to do a theme song for a podcast. Um, so, yeah, Relay, 99% Invisible, uh, Better Know a Jackal, best, best thing that has happened to knowing your audience uh, in podcasting than anything else. Uh, Children of Tendu, which is by a couple of, uh, of TV uh, screenwriters uh, out in, in LA. The, the name itself is, uh, is a hilarious play on, on a, a Puerto Rican um, uh, writer in Hollywood misunderstanding what someone said uh, that they actually tell the story of in the show. Uh, it's, it's a great inside look at... Uh, screenwriting and and the world of writing for the screen. Uh, on that same note, I'm a big fan of Script Notes, which is hosted by John August and Craig Mazin. Uh, John August uh, wrote uh, the uh, screenplay for Big Fish. Craig Mazin uh, wrote on a couple of the Hangover movies and a bunch of other stuff. They're different types of folks uh, that that get along very well and make for great podcasts themselves. Um, similarly, a fan of the Nerdist Writers Panel, uh, which is hosted by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Uh, ben Blacker, mostly. Acker is in there every once in a while. Uh, they have kind of a spinoff that they've dovetailed into the same feed called the Nerdist Writers uh, Comics Edition Panel uh, that's interesting. Um, 
I'm way behind on Comedy Bang Bang, but I'm a huge fan of Scott Aukerman and basically everything that Earwolf touches. I just have such limited time. Uh, I've been enjoying the Daily Show podcast without Jon Stewart, uh, especially when Elliot Kalin, the head writer of the Daily Show and one of the three heads of the Hydra that is the Flophouse uh, is on there. Uh, the Flophouse is a great, great podcast that John Syracuse uh, rightfully advocates everyone uh, get into. Uh, where over years now, these guys dig into just terrible, terrible movies, uh, spoil the living crap out of them. Many of them you've never heard of. Um, Doug loves movies. My friend Doug Benson does this uh, this kind of uh, stand up comedy panel show at his uh, stand-up gigs that I'm, I'm glad to have seen turn into a bit of a sensation in and of itself. Uh, when I'm in that kind of uh, business analyst mode, I, I flip on Exponent from uh, my friend Ben Thompson out in Taiwan. Um, when I feel like hearing Dan Harmon rant, uh, I listen to his Harmontown podcast that lasts a million years, um, but, uh, but I have trouble keeping up with. The Incomparable, I not only appear on every once in a while, but I do enjoy listening to on the regular. Um, two of my mainstay podcasts since I started listening to podcasts are um, KCRW's The Business and The Treatment, uh, which are from a, a public radio station out of Santa Monica. Uh, the Business has gone through a few different hosts. The Treatment has always been hosted by Elvis Mitchell, a uh, former film critic of the New York Times, uh, another pal of mine. Uh, and he, he is one of the dudes that he can interview anybody, and it's going to be more interesting and different than anything else. Um, Mac Power uses I've been listening to since well before it was on 5 by 5 um, the Moth, um, This American Life, Planet Money, storytelling podcasts that are at the very top of my queue. I listen to the NBC Nightly News audio podcast at 3x because I can listen to the Nightly News in seven minutes. And um, and yeah, yeah, haters. Yeah, there are things I listen to at 3x. Um, the Nerdist podcast, I have to kind of pick and choose which ones I listen to. Um, just <clears throat> I don't have time, um, but I listen to every WTF eventually uh, from Mark Marin. Uh, I recently have become totally obsessed with a podcast that I found out is made by the uh, the writers behind the British panel show QI hosted by Stephen Fry. Uh, the podcast is called No Such Thing as a Fish, and it's great. And it's it's effectively QI, but a podcast and people you've never heard of, but that you will become a rabid fan of listening to. Um, Fresh Air, I listen to based on, you know, whether it's something that seems remotely interesting. Uh, Slate's Culture Gab Fest, I listen to every once in a while. It's kind of a roundtable pop culture media sort of a thing put on by the people at Slate. Uh, I've been listening to the Startup Podcast from Gimlet and Alex Bloomberg from Planet Money. Um... Let's see. Okay, I'm going to cut you off. I think, I think, yeah, it, that's, <laughs> okay. that, that, you know, ATP talk show back to work. Yeah, they don't need any promotion. The, the, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But the, um, my rule is if I get tired or tired of typing and or can't keep up with the list, that's when the guest has to be cut off because, uh, I know that the, uh, listener will, and I'll put obviously all this stuff in the show notes. I'm, I'm <laughs> joking, but. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and serial in the Tobolowski files. And, uh, <laughs> you must remember this. And that, there you go. Well, there you go. I squeezed them all in. <laughs> <laughs> Squeezed them all in. What uh, what app do you use to listen to? I okay. use a I use a combination of of uh, of three different ones. <laughs> um, mostly Overcast, um, Instacast, 
I, I actually, actually part of my workflow is I use Instacast and, um, because I'm not worried about the metrics of it, I upload, um, draft versions of shows that I want to listen back to just for flow purposes mm -hmm. directly to my Squarespace hosting and then just, you know, refresh the feed, uh, using FeedPress. FeedPress, the, uh, the, uh, feed forwarding service to the stars, which is remarkably cheap. It's like 30 bucks a year. It's crazy. Um, and you can even assign it to a subdomain on your domain. So if you're worried about them going gently into that good night, uh, you don't have to worry too much about it. So anyway, I, I, I dump stuff into a feed nobody has access to, uh, that I, that I have in, uh, Instacast so that I can listen to it a full three X, not smart speed, voice boosting and accelerating, uh, all the way. Like I do an overcast, I can still get through it faster at just plain three X than I can in overcast. Um, and, uh, and I, I also do that for, you know, their archival shows that I'm going through and re-editing and trimming stuff out of, uh, that were posted on five by five that are going into my supplementary feeds. Uh, I use it for that. You know, when I, when I got the call from, from Brett Terpster that he was looking for, for somewhere else, uh, for systematic and overtired to live. Um, I went through the entire back catalog of overtired at three X. Uh, I'd listen to the whole, everything, but it was, uh, it was great to be able to do that. And one of these shows that I'm very eager to, um, to bring on board, I've been doing the same thing. Um, and then beyond those two, <clears throat> I, I, I think of the Apple podcast app as my version of my, my audiobook app. Uh, so for, for shows that, I download in iTunes on my Mac for archiving purposes. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I don't really have much of a choice but to sync those to the uh, to the Apple Podcast app. Uh, I could never bring myself to buy the Instacast uh, native Mac app uh, just because I it it, it seemed like it was going to be too much of a pain in the ass to move everything over to it. Um, but there there are podcasts that that post stuff and then they disappear and turn into a puff of smoke after a while. Uh, and, and those shows, a lot of them public radio shows, um, you know, I, I like having a permanent archive of them that I can go back to and listen to. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wish there were one Mac and phone hybrid solution, uh, for all of them that would, that would preclude me from having to have multiple apps in place. Uh, and I am, uh, you know, one of the things on my to-do list is, you know, mess around with, with pocket cast and downcast more. And as I've, I've had a, 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 a version of a deal, uh, offered to me by the people at Stitcher, I'm, you know, God save me going to be playing around with the Stitcher app, uh, just to kind of get a feel for it and see how buggy compared to how buggy it used to be. It still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's another, that's something we're in discussions with too, with Stitcher and and sorting all that out too, because yeah, at the end of the day, it's good good to have your your audience enlarged, or the possibility for your audience yeah. to be bigger. But uh, I just don't want them to transcode and host my files or insert ads on them. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what they're offering me. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's uh, I think I think they've learned if they used to do that, or there, maybe it was I don't know if it was just rumors and things like because we let, we read through a contract that or the details of fine print, and it didn't seem to be anything there that gotchas but obviously your mileage may vary make sure you yeah before you sign away anything with your content like that you want to make sure obviously you know what's happening with it but uh, 
especially as yeah as cars and things you know that's just a that's the way i feel like anyways for like my mom or my dad to actually listen to one of my podcasts heaven forbid but that they would actually stumble across it and want to listen. They're never going to go into iTunes and happen to yeah. go to the podcast section and happen to play it. Well, you know, people people hate on Clear Channel, iHeartRadio, iHeartMedia, whatever. I I would love nothing more for them to get serious about podcasts in the car. And I, you know, I I would be tentatively fine with the notion of there being a little bit of give on my end of things. But whereas some people will say... Uh, you know, just do whatever Stitcher says. Just do whatever this service says. I think that's a giant pile of horse crap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are certain things you've got to push back on to make sure that you're not letting your audience down in terms of of what you're delivering for them, um, and and that it's it's getting you know the the experience screwed up for them by somebody else that you're just you're just letting do whatever just because you're just because you're a, a little guy in the grand scheme of things nowhere near the size of, you know, Howard Stern or something like that doesn't mean that you can't, uh, stand up for, for doing things the right way and in a way that, that works for your business model. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we've, uh, we've gone long and then we've gone longer. And so, uh, we will cut, cut, cut it off there. Where can, uh, where can folks find you, Moises, if they're, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at Moises Chiu, M-O-I-S-E-S-C-H-I-U. Um, all my podcasty stuff is at esn.fm. Uh, now that uh, things are, are kind of back into a sense of normalcy, uh, we've got newsletters there. Um, we've got uh, memberships you can sign up for there if, if you're not tired of hearing me already. Uh, and, um, and yeah, we're, we're going to be doing some, some interesting stuff. If, if you're a big fan of, of Brett Terpster's run on, on Systematic so far, uh, one of the things that we've kind of we're, we're hoping to get out in advance of, you know, more holiday travel time is, uh, is a five hour marathon book on tape cut of all four parts of his conversation with John Roderick. Wow. So if you don't have enough John Roderick in your life or just for the purpose of having, having everything in one big canonical extended cut, we're looking at, at offering some, some neat extras like that at no additional charge, <laughs> uh, that are, that are just there and cool. Yeah, which is that's another thing that podcasters can learn from, uh, whether traditional media or whatever, wherever we're learning that from. But um, you know, the box set idea that people will—it's not—they're not rebuying it, but they will re-listen to something in a yeah. slightly repackaged form, and and the effort is going to probably be worth it for, again, depending on the audience and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, there would be ways to to do certainly do something like that. So. I'm what? so sorry that this ran so long. I, oh. <laughs> I, I blame my allergies. I blame myself. I blame, I blame my parents. Uh, I don't know who else blame I blame. Canada. You can, yeah. uh, no, there's, there's a song about that. I don't want to infringe on any copyrights. <laughs> right, exactly. I've done, I've done enough already. The last okay. thing we need to do is get sued by somebody in podcasting. All right. Well, thanks to Moises Chuan for joining me on Show Me Your Mic. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm iChris on the Twitters and uh, goodstuff underscore FM is where you can find good stuff on Twitter as well. Be alerted of uh, other shows that we do. And you can also follow Show Me Your Mic, S-M-Y-M underscore FM. I tweet out about uh, podcasting related articles and, and things that I come across, not just show related activities, but uh, all sorts of podcasting stuff. So if that interests you at all, feel free to follow along there. Thanks for sticking around for a little bit longer episode this time and I look forward to 
future guests. If you would like to be a guest on Show Me Your Mic, there's an invite form that you can click through to at the top of the show page at goodstuff.fm slash smym. Looking for guests booking into next year already, obviously, in 2015. And... Uh, Look forward to chatting with you on the show. I got a tweet from a listener over in Australia, Ryan, I think it was. And uh, there's obviously if there's time zone issues and things with the time that I typically record at, feel free to let me know and I'll be more than happy to try and work around. Uh, Just sort of makes for a good starting point to have a set time and try and fit people into that first. But uh, if that's not going to work for you, let me know for sure. Uh, Chris at goodstuff.fm is where you can reach me on the email. Uh, route. So thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.